Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. There's a lot that goes into designing a website in general, let alone a website that you're putting a little extra strategy into. Whether it's for you or your clients, it doesn't matter. There's still a lot that goes into it. And we talked a little bit about designing strategic websites for the first time in episode five. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about or what goes into a strategic website, definitely go back there and check it out. You'll also find a few more kind uh, probably random episodes on it if you scroll through uh, past episodes. Um, but a big part of an effective design is the placement and strategy behind calls to action. If you're not familiar with calls to action, that's basically you telling people what to do when they're on your website and encouraging them to do something specific. You cannot make a website strategic without calls to action. You just can't do it. Everything else can be perfect, but if you don't have calls to action, the website is pretty much pointless. So today we're going to focus on how you can create calls to action that convert for your clients. Um, But of course this applies to you as well. So we're going to position it as um, getting conversions for your clients through these calls to action, but you can always apply it to your own website. So we're going to start out with how your role as a designer fits into deciding calls to action and why you should care in the first place. We'll talk about why calls to action might not convert. We'll give a couple of design tips and then talk about our favorite places to put calls to action. I'm really excited about this topic because we're really diving deep, obviously, into calls to action. And obviously, it's like you said, those are really what make a website strategic. Like if you don't have any anywhere on your website, then you are just putting your website out there and crossing your fingers that you get the conversions that you want. And it works the same exact way when it comes to the websites that you're creating for your client. So I think this is going to be a great one for everyone to listen to. Awesome. Yeah. And when it comes to your client's websites, I'm guessing there are a few people listening that are thinking like, why, why should I care? You know, they are supposed to give me their content. It's my job to make it look good. I don't need to help them with calls to action. And in part, okay, you're right. In a perfect world, you guys would not have to care about this. Your clients would know what they were doing. It would all be great. And you could take exactly what you were given and make something strategic. But if you're dedicated to helping your clients and getting them results, it's not that much work to take literally five minutes to look through, make sure their pages have calls to action, maybe tweak them or suggest changes um, if you don't think it's the best choice. Um, or if the calls to action don't exist in the first place. It's not that hard to give them a couple quick suggestions. And we talked about going above and beyond for your clients in episode four. And while we didn't specifically talk about these kinds of things, it's just an extra step you can take to help your clients succeed. And 
okay, some of them aren't going to appreciate it, but some of them really are. They're going to be like, oh, that makes so much more sense. I can see how that's going to help uh, conversions for my website and help me get better results. So thank you for doing that. So something that can have such a big return with so little effort is definitely worth, you know, adding to your process, even if it's not in the job description. Yeah, and you're working with a specific niche of business owners or bloggers, whoever it is, so you know what kind of calls to action to be looking for. So once you kind of do this a couple of times for a few different clients, it's going to become second nature, and it's not like you're going to be spending 15 minutes reading all of their website copy to help them, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure that their website is strategic enough to really benefit them. It's going to come naturally after a little while. So don't worry. Once you get started, just it'll come naturally. It will. Yeah. (laughs) And like you were saying, it doesn't have, you don't have to sit and read their copy. It can be as easy as noticing that at the end of their about page, they're not telling people to do anything. And then, you know, suggesting that they add something or adding something themselves. I'm not saying you need to uh, go through every piece, every word they send you and like, you know, put calls to action and that makes sense just make sure you you give them a little hand even if it's just at the end of the page so I want to start with a few call to action mistakes so things that make calls to action less effective and things that make client sites convert not as well as they could the first one most obvious and also way too common is just not having calls to action in general And a lot of clients just don't think about it, especially if they're newer in business. Now, you might find if you work with more experienced business owners, you don't really need to worry about, you know, the mistakes that we're talking about or going in and adding calls to action. They're going to have that taken care of. But if you tend to work with newer people, that's when these things are going to come up. So so the most common one I see is the example I already gave where you have this crazy long about page and it's nothing at the end. Like one of the last clients I can think of, it just she just ended it with like the signature of her name. And I was like, I mean, that's a pretty signature, but who cares? Like that's not the, we have websites to get people to do things. You need to ask them to do things. And same thing, if you have clients who write these awesome long um, educational blog posts with no direction for their readers to take anywhere in it, it's like, well, what's the point of that? Like people are gonna read it, they're gonna leave, never think about it again. So help your clients out if you are noticing that there are pages with just no calls to action whatsoever. Add some in, let them know what you did and how you did it. Even if you just do it on one page and encourage them to add it to the rest, that is better than nothing and you can do that really, really quickly. So don't let your clients come to you and then get a website with no cost to action on it. Yeah, and I think you made a really good point specifically there at the end. If you just want to do it on one page and then let them know how they can add that same kind of thing to their other pages, that's a good way for this to not take any time at all in your process. Yep. Yeah, I just kind of said that by accident, but I'm glad I did because to me that actually makes more sense. Like, We're not here to change people's copy, but we are there to help them. And that's exactly what this would be doing. So the second uh, call to action mistake I see are just calls to action that are totally irrelevant. So each step your client asks their visitors to take have to make sense. These steps have to fit together and like be cohesive. So it doesn't make sense to ask someone to view their services after they've reached out on the contact page, after someone contacts your client, they're going to wait for a response. They're not just going to go give them money while they're waiting. So, uh, but on the other hand, it does make sense to have an opt-in freebie 
at the end of a blog post. Like that makes sense. So those are the things we're looking for here. So if you notice something that is way off, again, you don't need to go in and necessarily change it for them unless, you know, that's how you are or, you know, something you like to do, but help your client, just tell them, make sure they know what the problem is and how they can make it better. Maybe suggest a next step for them to take and make sure they're aware that all of these things need to fit together. And then last, which I think is the biggest mistake, well, I shouldn't say that, not having calls to action is a big mistake. So another big mistake I see with calls to action, we'll go with that, is just asking for too much at the wrong time. The biggest reason that calls to action don't convert is that you're asking too much. You can't expect someone to be viewing the homepage of a website and then go dish out $2,000 for a service that was advertised. Like, it doesn't work that way unless someone's going to the website specifically to book that service. So make sure your client's calls to action kind of flow one step at a time with a commitment level that fits where the visitor is at in the process. So like we said before, going from reading a blog post to just giving an email address to get something in return, that is a step that makes perfect sense. Um, or if, or if it's at a place where, you know, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily trying to make the conversion at that time, but just build awareness, for example, um, linking to services at the bottom of the about page, that's a great time to do that right after some trust has been built. You're not necessarily expecting that conversion, um, but it's still an okay place to do that. So there are a few places I would say, I, that's the only example I can think of that's specifically like that, that I would encourage someone to take, um, but just make sure that the different steps make sense and nothing huge is being asked for when it shouldn't be. And I just want to point out here, because this came to me while you were talking about your last point. If you're not familiar with designing strategic websites, these are all things that you can keep in mind when you're working on your next web design for your next client. So, you know, if you, if they are looking to you to make the decision about what calls to action to put and where on their website, then definitely keep these things in mind when you're working on the next project. Because, you know, going back to your last point, you don't want to have the services page linked on their contact page. But when you're designing their contact page, that's a good place to throw in maybe some social media mm -hmm. icons if they're nowhere else. So keep in mind that this definitely can help your design process too, even if you're not relying on your clients to kind of tell you where everything needs to go and you have never focused on strategy before. Just mm -hmm. had to throw that out there. No, that's a really good point. I like that. Designing a strategic website that gets your clients results and turns around to benefit your own business is no small feat. It's an all new process and way of thinking that needs to be added to your design projects and it can take years to figure out how it all works. But I've got a way for you to speed up the process. Design Your Own Pixel Perfect Production is a workbook and ebook combo to lead you through every step of the process, including improving your own website, getting your clients real results through a perfectly strategic design, and knowing the questions to ask before and after the project to be able to have real results to compare. If you're ready to learn the exact steps you need to craft a strategic website, implement it flawlessly, and see results in your own business, head over to getbacktodesign.co slash strategy workbook to learn more and use the code getbacktodesign for $10 off your copy. After that, prepare to take action and see happier clients, better testimonials, more referrals, and those higher paying clients you've been waiting for. 
So next, I wanna dive into the best ways you can make sure that your calls to action convert. So, okay, you've helped your client kind of tweak things. Everything makes sense and flows together. How do we make them, how do we increase the chances of converting now? So first is just relevance overall. Make sure all the calls to action are relevant, which you kind of would have done with what we were just talking about. And then that, that the commitment is, you know, it fits where they currently are. So, um, that that's basically all there is to it that that it makes sense with where they are that the commitment is okay that it's relevant that that's that whole step that's that's probably the best thing you can do to make sure they convert just that they make sense in general um but next is placement so the middle and ends of pages are what I've found are usually the best places for a call to action, especially on long pages. It's good to have them broken up, you know, especially like on services pages or sales pages several times throughout. Um, but places like long blog posts or the about page, maybe one in the middle, one at the end, um, are good, good places to have these calls to action. Um, sometimes something like offering a freebie at the beginning of a blog post is okay, um, but but you wouldn't want to interrupt the first few sentences of an about page with a call to action. Like that's too soon. People came there for a specific reason. They don't want to be interrupted right away by you asking them for something. And then also think of areas outside of the actual contents of a page or blog post. So places like the sidebar, the footer, a menu, maybe if there's like a full with hero image, or maybe if they even have a banner at the top of their site, also consider areas like that that can be utilized for really relevant calls to action. And then also with placement, just make sure that there is not one page or specific area on the website that is overloaded with a ton of options and the ton of, you know, asks for these people who are visiting. You don't want them to get overwhelmed with options or annoyed at being asked to do too many things without being given uh, the appropriate amount of value in between. Uh, so if, you know, something like two within the page contents and one in the footer, like that's okay, but I wouldn't go more than that unless it's like a specifically a sales page. Yeah, I think one place that people go overboard with their calls to action is the sidebar. Yeah. And I think it's from a long time ago when we used to want to have ads for our friend's blog and mm -hmm. all this other crap in our sidebar that is now totally irrelevant to how people are blogging. But some people still put a ton of stuff yep. in their sidebar that they could get away with putting on a whole separate page or in the footer and then not having it repeat. But this is definitely the place where I see people going crazy overboard with how much they're including. And you have to think about, you know, you as a viewer, even on your client's website, is it gonna be too much to go check them out on social media, sign up for their email list, look at their popular blog posts, visit these ad networks that they are linking to, check out these places they've been published. It's like, I can't even, it's hard to pick one when you have that much in your face. So yeah, going right along with that, try not to overwhelm your clients' visitors. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and that can go back to our last episode with education too, because a lot of clients see their sidebar specifically as kind of like a dumping ground for anything they're excited about. They're like, ooh, I want everyone to see this. I'm just going to throw it in my sidebar. That's great if you remove something else, you know, or it fits in somehow with all the other random crap that's already in there. Um, but that's something that, you know, definitely educate people about that. I like to say four things in the sidebar max, 
because most things in a sidebar are, are calls to action. So like headshot and bio, social media links, um, the most important call to action, maybe some popular posts is what I like to do because yeah, it can get really overwhelming really fast. So I'm glad you brought that up. So now I want to talk about a few things design-wise that can make your client's calls to action convert better. So if you have been listening to this and thinking, well, I'm not going to help them make relevant blog posts and help them with placement, that's their job. Well, here's where your job finally comes in are so a few design things. The most important thing, just make them stand out. Don't uh, make it something that people can scan by really easily. So even just opt-in forms. I've, I see a lot of people just throw an opt-in form on a page and, you know, think that that stands out enough, but it doesn't. Even putting like a gray background or a border behind that opt-in form can do a lot to make people be like, oh, I'm supposed to be paying attention to that. So just think of little things like that you can do to make things stand out a bit. Um, using graphics is a great way to do this. Graphics are more eye-catching than a sentence or even just, you know, a couple sentences and a button. Having graphics that are really well branded and put together can be great. And then on there you can put things like arrows or, you know, other things that are going to catch people's attention. Regardless of whether or not you're using graphics, there should be a button. So if you're designing a graphic, put, you know, a little rectangle that looks like a button on there. If there's no graphic, definitely have an actual button where this calls where this call to action is supposed to be. Links are not very effective. So okay, sometimes you're gonna have them, you know, in line written in a blog post, but if there's something you really want people to pay attention to, it has to be a graphic or a button. Also make these things interactive. So if someone hovers over a graphic you created, makes make the mouse go to the hover state. So it, you know, there's a little CSS involved in that. It's not difficult. If you Google it, you'll totally figure it out. Um, but as far as buttons, make sure when you hover over those, they change color or change style a little bit because those things catch people's attention and really encourage action more than we think they would. You know, it seems like a really standard thing, but they're, they are standard for a reason because they really do help. And going along with the whole point about graphics, if you are worried about it taking a lot of extra time in your project to make graphics for certain calls to action for your client, make them a Photoshop template or you can make them a template even in Canva and you can send it over to them and say, okay, I did this for this one call to action. Here's what it looks like and here is a template so you can continue doing this and kind of boosting your conversions with the type of calls to action. I love that idea. And when you have a when you do make a template, you don't have to make something crazy custom for each client. Change out the fonts and colors, you're good. And with that then you can record a tutorial video one time for kind of a general template, send it to them, and then link them to their specific files or whatever however it works in Canva. So yeah, I love that idea and it can be really easy on you. Um, but then the last Last way you can make sure your clients calls to action convert is to just make sure each page has one. And I know, super obvious, but it's easy to miss. So I'm just going to leave you with that. But now I want to touch on our favorite places to have calls to action just for the fun of it. This isn't saying these are the places that convert best or have some magic power. These are just our favorites. So I'll just start with mine in case Corey needs to think of this because I just kind of put her <laughs> on the spot here. But my favorite place is the footer. And 
I think I probably like it because I feel like it's so underutilized. So I feel smart sometimes when I'm like, ooh, you could put this here. Um, but it's a great way to catch people if they're about to leave the site because people see the footer because they didn't see anything else that caught their att attention enough to click. Make sure there's something that can catch their attention in the footer. And like we were talking about with relevance and commitment, this is a place for a very low commitment option. So things like joining an email list for something in exchange or joining a free community, something really easy like that. Or even you could try out something like popular posts. I'm not sure if that's something anyone would be really interested in clicking on or that would be beneficial. Um, but just think really low commitment options like that. So the footer is my favorite. I would have to say that the menu is my favorite place for calls to action. And I think this is because people do not look at their menu as, mm -hmm. you know, the place to call their visitors to action. But when I am landing on a website for the very first time, that is where I am looking yep. to, you know, go to figure out more about this person who runs this website, you know, find their blog, figure out what it is that they do. If People have, you know, a course or community or something like that. Sometimes they will have those things linked in there. But you can generally tell the people who have thought strategically about their menu and the people who have just kind of thrown what they think, you know, should be there based on what everyone else does. So, yeah, the menu is my favorite. I like that. I wouldn't have thought of that. It's a good one. So as a quick recap today... While it might be a little bit outside of your job description as a designer, giving your clients a little bit of a hand with their calls to action can do a lot for how effective the sites you design are. That just makes you look better. So it's worth a little extra work, even if you're just giving them one pointer and asking them to apply it to everything else. So help your clients make sure their calls to action makes sense, that they're asking for the right thing at the right time, and that their audience is gonna be drawn to take action based on the placement and the design. So your action steps for today are to look at your own website to start with and fix any call to action mistakes you see. Whether you're missing one somewhere or it doesn't make sense with what your visitors were just looking at, get those things fixed up on your own website as practice. And then next, I want you to add a quick step to your design process outline to pay attention to the calls to action, either before you dive into the actual design stage or at the end of the project before you send it over to them for approval. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design.